This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, February the 18th. I'm your host, D.A. And on Friday, after we left you, we had the news that popped up. Colin Kaepernick had settled. His collusion case against the league had finally come to an end. And so there was certainly a financial monetary agreement that went to Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed. But how much was it? And what exactly was the NFL worried about going public which is why they settled. Plenty of questions that remain unsolved, unanswered. Dan Wetzel for Yahoo Sports wrote a fantastic column describing a win for Kaepernick financially, but also a win for the NFL because now this story gets to go away. David Haw and Zach Zaidman on 670 The Score in Chicago talk to Dan. Why did it settle now? The NFL did not want to take this to trial. It's really the the, the issue, and, and they were able to throw up enough money and, and still offer Kaepernick a chance to play, uh, presumably. Um, so I don't know. The NFL is very hard to, to win anything from in a lawsuit. Uh, they fought, you know, gambling to the end, to, you know, to the Supreme Court, uh, legalized sports wagering. I mean, they fought Tom Brady, basically was going to go to the Supreme Court over the inflation levels of a football uh, and he's their most popular player. Uh, they have the money to to go on a protracted legal fight, and they have the ego to never want to admit anything wrong. Uh, so, for Kaepernick to to get this um, was, you know, to me a victory for him legally. Now, you know why? You know what was this about? What what was his purpose in this case? Uh, is a whole other question. But for him to get anything out of the NFL. Uh, is, is a victory for him. So why did they take it this far and then say, forget it, we're going to give up? Um, I do think that they, they wanted him out of the league for the last couple of years. I don't know whether it was a full collusion or not. Um, and they were able to get him out and have this issue really die down. But now uh, I think as your, as your deal there with Mark Garagos on whatever show he was on, what happens now? Is someone actually going to sign him and how much money did they pay? pay out to basically keep him out of the league for two years, but he could now be in uh, at this point. What do you think will happen? What's going to be the ending to this story? I mean, I, I assume he's going to be on some kind of team as a, uh, as a player. I mean, he, if, if you settle the, this case and then he doesn't make it anywhere, um, I mean, look, he's not a coveted starter anymore. And I, and I think in any case, any one of us working for anybody, it's, it's do your do what you do. Your positives outweigh your negatives. Is how you you keep your job. And so, if you're the top sales guy and you're paying the neck, uh, they keep you. If you're not, 
and and something happens, they get rid of you. Um, and I think everybody does that. For Kaepernick, um, his his deal, his negatives were not not bigger than his than his uh, the positives, and so they they wanted him out. Um, I don't know. I I, I think someone's going to have to probably sign him, or someone. I mean, he's still better than some of these backup quarterbacks. So I think he actually probably gets re-signed, and I, I kind of feel like the issue will die out. I, I think everyone's really tired mm-hmm. of, of the of the story. I don't think there'll be the media attention um, of it. Uh, if he wants to kneel during the the anthem, it'll be a big thing for a few weeks. Um, but I think I think this kind of issue is kind of evolved into uh you know the next stage of this so i don't think it'll be as big of a deal but i do suspect someone will will, will grab him or else uh, you know can he sue again or, or things like that so it's, it's it, the timing of this is pretty interesting will we ever know the full details of this case probably not when you've got this much money on the line neither side is going to want to forfeit that type of financial investment by leaking the specifics of the case. But I think that Dan Wetzel got it right in his piece when he said, financially, no doubt, Colin Kaepernick wins this case because he gets a lot of money from the league and they have to at least partially admit that they were in the wrong and did not want this to go public, did not want this to the discovery process. But for the NFL Paying whatever it was, 20, 30, up to 70 or $80 million is well worth the cost of making the story, which hurt their popularity and created a lot of distraction and a lot of controversy surrounding the NFL. For it to go away, gladly they'll cut the check because they've got plenty of checks to cut. In the NFL, another day, another Antonio Brown controversy. Over the weekend, A.B. didn't ask me anything on Twitter. And somebody asked him what was the centerpiece of why he and Ben Roethlisberger did not get along. He said, Big Ben has an owner's mentality. He's allowed to call out anybody, but he doesn't want to be called out himself. And then when another reader responded with accusations about Ben Roethlisberger's sexual assault from back in the day, Antonio Brown liked that tweet. And so now we've gone DEFCON 5. He's taken a blowtorch to his relationship with Big Ben and the Steelers. The guys at 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh have been all over this A.B. story. I'm pretty sure it's the only thing they've talked about for the better part of a month and a half. Is there a need for Brown to be the most powerful person in the organization? At least according to Antonio Brown, what has pushed him over the edge in regards to Roethlisberger and Tomlin is the fact that Ben will call out teammates in the media, including A.B., and that the coach, I guess, quote-unquote, lets it happen. And I don't th- – this, for me, Jim, is it, it seemingly is all coming back now to if he's not the most powerful guy in the building, not named Rooney, he doesn't want to be there. Or if he can't control the situation, if somebody else, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, is in control of the situation, he doesn't want to be a part of it. Well, then he – I don't know where he's going to go, uh, where the, the quarterback in the pecking order is always the most important. Now, I understand that – you know, you've got a guy here who's won two Super Bowls. He is a yes. future Hall of Famer. Hasn't been to a Super Bowl in a while. A.B. has never been to a Super Bowl. Uh, <clears throat> it's just that, you know, you, you'd like to think, although maybe it's like this in a lot of other workplaces too, but you'd like to think that if Ben calls A.B. out and A.B. doesn't like it, it's 
not too far for him to go out of his way. In fact, it's not out of his way at all to just approach the quarterback at some point and say, "Hey, look, if you got a, you know, if you've got an issue with me, then then you know, please talk to me well, well, and see what we can do." And and you know, I've always thought that, like for example, where people say, "Whoa, how can a coach call out X player?" Mm-hmm. My guess is, and if the coach, if he does, he better have said that to that player personally first. Uh, right, and, and you know what? To, to Roethlisberger's credit, it seems like he will say these things to the player as well as through the media. So it, maybe there are times he doesn't. Or maybe there's times it's more forceful where we can't see it or where we're not the people being a part of the discussion. I guess my point is this. Ben Roethlisberger has done this for years, Right. Antonio Brown has been here for years. I don't understand what the tipping point was where Antonio Brown said, well, that's it, no more. I, I, I don't... You think it was that walkthrough on a Wednesday morning? If if that's the tipping point, I, I mean, these guys, I'm sure, have had more heated conversations than something about not finishing a route properly in, in a walkthrough on a Wednesday morning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I don't understand where, why all of a sudden... Antonio Brown decided that he just couldn't take it anymore. And it doesn't, it, it smacks of really some disingenuous uh, posturing now before all of his social media followers where he feels like he's got to continue to prove that he's not the bad guy in this situation where everybody who's close to the situation seems to agree that he's the bad guy. Uh, how's this meeting between AB and Art going to go? This should be interesting, right? There is no franchise in the NFL, no program in college football. There's no team in the AAF where a wide receiver is the most powerful person. If he just wants it in the locker room, he's not going to have it because it's a quarterback-driven NFL. We all know this. And nobody's going to say, yes, let's give Antonio Brown all of the influence because Antonio Brown has proven that he can't be trusted when he has influence. So if that's what AB wants... He ain't going to find it out there. But one thing is for certain. You can't go after your quarterback publicly and now connect him to the sexual assault allegations from years ago and think that you're going to remain on the same team, in the same huddle, in the same locker room. It's not happening. A.B. just signed his ticket out of town. The NBA All-Star Weekend has wrapped up. And once again, that All-Star game, not a lot of offense being played. In fact, it was a league record for most three-pointers made by Team LeBron in the All-Star game. It's never going to be hyper-competitive because these guys don't want to play a lot of defense. But can you improve it to make it more competitive? Joe Lowe and Dibs, a 97 the game in the Bay Area. Do you like the way they go about it? Because I think it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to create a scenario where this is a highly competitive game. Maybe if you put $10 million on the line for each individual winner, sure, they'll go out and play competitive. But the last thing you want is an injury. So have some fun, take it easy, and then maybe in the final 12 minutes play a little D, give people some excitement, we all move on. Yeah. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't either, and I think from highly competitive, what you get is slightly competitive because there are times where they're competing. And Early on, it's like a layup line, it's lobs, it's dunks, and they were even were talking about, I was watching the players only broadcast, and they were saying early on how, oh, it's so, more dunks than I ever remember seeing. And then gradually that slows down. A lot of guys just jacking up the quick three, and then as you get to the third and the fourth quarter, you're not running plays or sets, but guys are actually hinting at possible defense. 
You're not just going to let a guy drive straight down the key anymore in the fourth quarter. So I like the format. I like the fact that usually the team that's down will make a push and come back, and then final six minutes, it's kind of looks like a basketball game. It's not that competitive. And you're right, Joe. You don't want to see somebody take a charge and get hit, get a concussion or worse. It's an exhibition, and they treat it as such. I think the biggest thing, too, like you said, Dibs, it's a, it's exhibition, but it's more exciting than football and baseball because it's still energy. It's still these guys are still able to shoot the threes. You saw Clay foul, Steph, and one. But the way in which he shoots the ball, I don't care. If there's no one on him, everyone would show up just to watch Steph shoot the ball. I mean, you see the stadiums are full because of the fact he's going to warm up and shoot threes that people haven't even seen. So kids and everyone want to be there at the stadium. So without a doubt, even though the game is not intense, not the hard fouls, what Giannis, that bounce pass, how high it went, almost touched the friggin' the rafters, and Giannis goes up and gets it and throws it down. You even asked the question, Steph couldn't do it here because no one can get up that high on this team. So we got to see superstars perform at a very, very high level. So the excitement was there, all the alley hoops. I mean, hell, LeBron's team, they shot 93s. Didn't make them all, but, I mean, it's, so it's exciting. So those type of things, people don't care about the necessarily defense. Baseball, it's so slow. It's different. So All-Star is not going to get that type of appeal. Football, it's still hitting. It's still contact. You can't just go crazy and light it up like that. Basketball is exciting. It's moving. I think it's the best sports far as All-Star. One thing about this, whatever you're great at, they're going to facilitate a way in which you can showboat that. Like if you're a dunker, if you're a power player with crazy athleticism right. like Giannis, you're going to have the opportunity to show people that. If you're a three-point specialist like Harden or Steph Curry, you're going to have the opportunity to get them up. And then, of course, after I try to do a 180 and start appreciating him more, there's Russell Westbrook, who's a terrible three-point shooter, yet he's jacking up threes the entire game. He was one for eight from deep. And when he shoots a three, he doesn't even make it look good. I mean, he bricks it. He <laughs> clanks it. It is nowhere within the realm of possible. And yet, for some reason, he's out there just jacking up threes left and right. That's not his game. No. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I think it's time to just accept the all-star game for what it is. It's a group of guys that like getting together. It's a group of guys that enjoy spending the weekend together. It's a group of guys that like to go to parties together, enhance their stock, build their brand, and overall just kind of get to hang around and goof off with one another. And that's got to be enough because you're never going to make this all-star game really competitive, just like no all-star game will ever be really competitive ever again. It's just not going to happen, not with the money where it is across all types of sports. These guys are just never going to care enough about an exhibition the same way they care about their regular season and postseason paychecks. In Major League Baseball, the weekend comes and goes, and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still do not have a home. John Johnson filled in for Angelo Cataldi on WIP in Philadelphia, and the latest rumor is Bryce Harper could become a Philly. Let's listen in. What? Or who should we believe when it comes to Bryce Harper? What am I supposed to believe? I've never been more confused in my life. 
well, you're confused because th there's no more waiting to see that you got it right. You can just this put it is out just, there. This is it, like if you're a reputable reporter right now, you're in a really bad spot. Because yes. your, your editor's banging on your door to write something in 10 minutes. And you're like, there's nothing new. This is terrible. Well, we have to make something interesting. I'm not going to say false, but we have to. For clicks. We, yeah, we have to. Uh, let's refresh the story. It's been 10 minutes. So, I mean. So, it, what's, the, what's the news story? It's been 10 minutes. Uh, so, it comes up. And there's and an insatiable appetite minutes. for it. But there's not, there's not an appetite for a real story. There's an appetite for a headline or a, or a click, as you say. There's something there that says, um, make, some, make more people come to our site mm -hmm. or come to your Twitter site. Uh, so at least write that uh, an airplane's left uh, Vegas. So what am I supposed to believe then? You're, you're, Anything? You're, you're, what you're, am I supposed to say to all this? You're supposed to just hope he comes here. But it's, it's, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't you have to acknowledge it's fun. To, to watch no, it. No, it's not fun well, anymore. It's well, then, terrible. Well, but the, but, but oh, no, I beg fun. to disagree. You love this? Yeah, it's, oh, my God. It's because, because It's a stress <laughs> test going way out no, of control. Because what happens is you get all the craziness, and then the fun starts. Yeah. What part? Yeah. When, when does the fun start? Oh, people ripping each other on Twitter oh, yeah. for this and that. And like, here, here's <laughs> the, the, the thing. The fun part is Bob Brookover tweeting, I can confirm he's not at the downtown residence yeah. in Clearwater yeah. staring at the Scientology building. So it, That's it, it, when it yeah. becomes fun to me. It keeps it fun. It keeps it, it keeps it interesting. But Heyman tweets out the following. Harper talks with Phillies appear to be intensifying, but no word anything's done to this point. Uh, it seems other teams are interested uh, that includes Padres, Nationals, Giants, White Sox, multiple mystery teams. Then, 30 minutes, just 30 minutes later, after he says Phillies talks are intensifying, Heyman tweets out, Padres remain hopeful to land one of the two big fish uh, with the Phillies-Harper sweepstakes heating up. So he kind of backtracks himself in a matter of 30 minutes. Then, last night, last night was insane. If you couldn't watch the NBA All-Star game, which I don't blame you, it, it's, it's so difficult to pay attention for 48 minutes of that, let alone 10 minutes of that. Bob Nightingale tweets out the following. Bryce Harper, who has been waiting for someone to meet his price, appears to have found a team in the Phillies. There is no deal yet, but he will ultimately receive more than 10 years, $300 million contract he turned down from the Nationals in September. <laughs> so uh, the internet... Social media goes berserk last night after Nightingale puts out this tweet. It sounds like the San Diego Padres have made a very healthy offer to Manny Machado. Eight years, 240, which comes out to $30 million plus, which is apparently what both Harper and Machado are seeking out there. It doesn't get them all the way up, or at least Machado, to $300 million, which might be the golden spot that these two guys want to be at. But you know what? It's a ton of cash. It's nearly a decade long, and it's $30 million per. So if Machado does not sign that with San Diego or get something like that from somewhere else, that is crazy for him to walk away. For Bryce Harper, maybe it's the same type of offer. And if the Phillies go all in for $30 million a year for Bryce Harper over eight or nine years, you got to think he's going to take that money because it has sounded like it has felt like he's gotten nowhere close to that type of offer over the course of this offseason, Bryce and Manny, if you get eight for 240, take the money and run. While Harper to the Phillies would absolutely make Philadelphia a contender for the National League and perhaps 
the World Series, the New York Yankees are already a contender. Maybe the reason that they did not go all in in the Bryce Harper or Manny Machado sweepstakes. Aaron Boone joined Mike Francesa on WFAN in New York and discussed Gary Sanchez's curious season last year, which was basically a complete and utter nightmare on both sides of the plate. Why will Sanchez bounce back? Uh too good a player, um, too good a talent. I think in the best Can you explain business, last year's ab- – I mean, that's a cra- – <laughs> the, the guy looked like he was all world, and then last year he has a nightmare. I mean, the guy, you know, he didn't hit 200. Right. I mean, what, I mean, it's shocking the way he fell off last year. He hit 185. I mean, right. so – I mean, who would ever think that? All right, I'm going to give you uh, – I'll try and – I'll give you a long answer on what I believe with, with – Sam- first off, he comes in in – I know it's spring training. He's in the best physical shape he's been in probably in a few years. And not just how he looks and the weight and everything, but the actual testing that we run him through where he's, where, where we set benchmarks, where he's not at levels that he hasn't been in in a couple of years. So he comes in a really good place. And I think sometimes for a young player and especially a young player that's a catcher at such obviously such a premium position and why oftentimes you see catchers kind of get to the big leagues a little later than most other players is because it's such a demanding position, not just physically, but all the other intangible things that come with it. And I think when you get to the big leagues and you have massive success and then all of a sudden you struggle a little bit, it, 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 you know, he's still a young man. And I think it's, it's it can be a little bit expected to go through some of the bumps he's had to have some of the physical issues I think he was kind of playing through last year um, and I think going through adversity when you have a ton of talent and you have the equipment to be a great player I think if you can you can learn from those things which I certainly think he has um, I think he'll be better for it and I think offensively speaking for him last year you know I, the first couple of months of the season where he was struggling, I felt like he was really hitting into some tough luck. Um, you know, all our kind of data was showing he was hitting the ball hard, but then as a hitter, you know, hitting can be hitting hard, even for great players. And when you start, you know, you, you see your numbers, not what they should be. And it's human nature to kind of start chasing results. And I think he got a little bit, over aggressive, and I think pitchers took advantage of that a little bit. I learned last year when we talking with Aaron Boone that number one, I was surprised how much the team misjudged. They missed him a lot, and number two, when he came back, it was clear that it's his team. Like he is the guy. I mean, you let it. You, you want to see if it. You know who emerges organically as the guy. Clearly, you can see, and I think it showed by the time he came back and by the postseason that he is the guy. And that this is you know that he's the leader. Yeah, you know what? You're right, and I think I, 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 I felt like I knew that, but you're right when when you say when he came back. I, I remember the day he came back. He, he was hitting second, hits a bullet to right field for an out. His first at bat goes over four in the game, and I can't tell you, it was just a different feeling on the bench with him being there, with him being in the lineup, the effect it has on the whole team. Um, yeah, I would say it's 
safe to assume that he is certainly emerging as the leader of this club. The Yankees don't necessarily need Gary Sanchez to be an all-star. They've got enough offense as it is. You look up and down that lineup, they are going to rake. It's pretty obvious. They're going to mash. They had that record, team record for home runs last year, and they're going to do it again with or without Gary Sanchez. Their bullpen is also nasty. The question becomes, is the starting pitching going to hold up? And a lot of people will latch in on, lock into Gary Sanchez and whether or not he can bounce back. I do not think that's the key here. The key is, can James Paxton and Luis Severino and the rest of those guys at the top of the rotation, the age of CC Sabathia, is that going to be enough to carry them through? Because they are going to be able to score enough runs with or without a big bat like Sanchez coming to life. And finally, the Alliance, the AAF, is through week number two. And one of the big disappointments has been the Memphis Express. A 92.9 ESPN Radio in Memphis. The guys discussed whether the Express is going to be around much longer. Apparently, something was stunning. And that was lack of interest this weekend. Memphis Express. Surprise! I went. And I will tell you, I went. Normally, I would have been at the Orlando, in Orlando for mm-hmm. the UCF Memphis game. But I went to the um, Memphis Express game. And there were a couple things that were really stunning about it. Three things that were really stunning about it. Okay. One, how few people were there. Now, I say stunning, except I totally expected it. But um, I, I expected it anyway. I, I expected it if it had been a beautiful day, it would have been fewer than 10,000 people there. I just didn't think people were interested. I, I, I have not sensed literally any buzz about this at I all. I actually think there was some, I think there was some interest in, the in wake, some buzz. In the wake of the when, first yes. TV, in the wake of the first TV game, there was some interest in some buzz. And then they did, they looked so incompetent on offense last Sunday that I agree with you. I think, but I didn't expect a big crowd anyway. Like the idea that they were going to get 25,000 seemed nuts to me, right? No matter what the weather was. I think if there were 3,000 people there, that was, that would be generous. Okay. I don't think there were 3,000 people. There. So it looked like. Roughly. So that's the bad news. Good news is they had a blast. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone I talked to there was just, and some of it was the, if you wanted to be there, you really wanted to be there. Yes. Like you were all in. And here's the other thing that the cold weather does. If you are one of the people who decides we're going to go be crazy in the cold weather. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of community. It creates a certain Bill's Mafia. You wonder why those people, Bill, Bill's Mafia people, are like they are. Mm-hmm. It's because it's insane to be out there to begin with. Oh, right? I say, I thought because they're drunk. And, and, and also they're drunk. Those Both of those things were true. They're not mutually exclusive. Those, both those things were true Saturday night. Everyone who was there was totally into it. The fact that they were kind of the few, the proud, the many mm-hmm. gave them a sort of rowdy edge. The Marines. They were drunk. They were they were thrilled. And and it was fun. Like, it was fun. I mean, a lot of fun and loud considering there were only 3,000 people there. Yeah. Like, they were really into it. So, the first two striking things are, one, none of you went. That's one. None of you people went. I don't bl- I'm don't. i not blaming you, but I'm just telling you, none of you were there. Mm-hmm. Secondly, those of you who were there, mm-hmm. 
understanding that none of you were there, those of you who were there Mm -hmm. had an absolute blast. It was a riot. It was way fun. And the game flies. That's the other thing. None of it, you're not out there for four hours. It's two and a half hours. Just so much fun. Um, and you should go in two weeks because I bet you'll have fun too. Except for the third thing that's striking. They're awful. Let's be honest. Offensively, they're awful. Yes. They averaged fewer than eight yards a drive. Yes. Christian Hackenberg, literally it's amazing how quickly he's become hated. Hey, how can you blame the Express fans? Their coach, Mike Singletary, feels like somebody just ran over his dog every time he speaks. And their quarterback in Christian Hackenberg has been a disaster in both of his starts. Get this city a new coach and a new quarterback and let them enjoy football once again. Please don't sully the good name of the Alliance. I thought it's been two great weeks of action. I've loved it. Yep, that'll do it. That's the best of your sports talk for Monday, February the 18th. Will Harper or Machado sign? Will Antonio Brown be traded? We'll see, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.